0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Temple Baptist Church. While we hope you can join us in person, our prayer is that this message will encourage you to love God and serve him in a deeper way. Let's pray, Father, what a day that's gonna be when you come. When you break through the clouds of glory and call your children home. And Lord, we live in anticipation that day. What a day it will be when every eye will behold who you are. Thank you. Thank you for our time already this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, happy new year, everyone. <laughs> it, really is, um, it really is good to see you. I Honestly, I, I missed you While I was away, I was kind of going through withdrawal, and uh, it's no wonder, because I mean, I haven't seen you since last year, so it's good just to be able to reconnect uh, again this year. If you're visiting today, uh, my name is Donald, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here, part of the team, and it's my privilege this morning to be able to open up God's word to you. And I wanna let you know for you that are guests, you are sitting among some really great people. I mean, this, There's great people that really make up this church family and um, they're great because they love people. This is one thing I'm learning about this church. This church loves people and they love serving people and so you really do amaze me. In fact, talking about amazement, I, I have to say it one more time. Thank you so much for helping us finish 2016 so strong. Uh, financially, this really will help propel us uh, in 2017. I this is my first year, of course, experiencing what the people of uh, Temple are like, and um, and just seeing your generosity uh, throughout this fall. You know, not just your regular giving, but you know the things that you give above and beyond, and, and helping people. Uh, In this city so seriously I just want to say thank you so very much and as we anticipate this new year 2017 of course it's our 80th anniversary right 80 years making a difference right here in the city of Sarnia 80 years of proclaiming the truth of God's word that God loves people in fact he loved them so much that he that he came and he lived among us and experience what we experience, and then willingly went to a cross and died for us. We love proclaiming that truth because we really believe that knowing Jesus is a game changer. I mean, your sins are forgiven, the, the weight is lifted off your shoulders, uh, an eternity uh, with uh, Jesus, uh, a life for all the eternity with Jesus, and a life that's really designed with purpose and meaning. And, And that's not just religious talk, by the way. I believe that to the core of my being. And as a church, we believe that to be true as well. Well, today, we begin a brand new series called The Elephant in the Room. Kind of an unusual title, I will say, but today, uh, for the next couple of weeks, actually, we wanna be talking about what the Bible has to say about finances. Now, I admit, you know, I'm a little bit nervous you know, when pastors have to talk, you know, when pastors decide to talk about money, <laughs> you don't know You know because it's very personal, right? I mean, we know that to be true. We have our own personal savings account. We have our own personal checking account. We have our own personal financial advisor. We have a company visa and we have our personal visa. So you understand it's very personal. And, uh, in fact, when I mentioned it to the elders, I said, I think in January I'm going to be speaking on money. It was a hush over the room, like I had said a bad word. And then I think it was Don that said, you're willingly going to talk about this subject? And uh, so I thought, what better time of the year than right at the very beginning of the year when we're all setting goals? I mean, this is the time of year, like, we make the goal, like, ah, I want to lose weight. Or I want to get a little bit more fit. Or this is the year that I'm gonna get married. Or this is the year that we decided we're gonna have children. Or this is the year that we're gonna buy our first house. I mean, you're setting all kinds of goals. This is the year that we're gonna get out of debt. Uh, this is the year that we're gonna save money so we can go to a trip to Hawaii. We're always setting goals. Uh, this is the year that you know, we, we wanna get a handle on our finances. So that's why I thought at the beginning of the year would be the best season to talk about this subject. And I've come to realize that the Bible has a lot to say about, the, about money. Now, I grew up in a great church as a child. Fantastic church, I love that church. But my entire life, I don't ever remember hearing a message about money because it was personal. That's meddling. Leave that to, to individuals. But yet, the Bible speaks so much about it. I mean, there's over 500 verses that talk about money and money management, and so I thought, how could I neglect such an important part of what the Bible has to say? And I love this this book we call The Bible, by the way. I love it, because I believe it's God's word uh, to us. And I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that every word that is in there is exactly what God wanted us to have. And it's so amazing because it, it's so practical for us even today. I mean, you know, you, you think about it, the, the authors, um, or the, the time span is thousands of years when it was written over multiple authors, and it goes back to like six, eight, 10,000 years in history, and yet here it is. So practical for us living in 2017. And and I meet people all the time that will say, oh, that Bible is kind of outdated. You know, it was written thousands of years. It's not practical for us who are living in 2017, which I always say, well, then you obviously haven't read the Bible because it speaks on all kinds of different levels of subjects. You you have a problem with relationships? Oh, my goodness, look in the Bible. It speaks to that. You have an issue with your, your business life? Well, oh, my goodness, the Bible talks about that, too. You're struggling with raising your children? Oh my goodness, the Bible has some advice about that as well. Uh, You're having a problem with your tongue and how you speak to people? Look at there, the Bible speaks on that as well. Morality seems to have your head spinning? Well, actually the Bible even speaks about that. Uh, Sexuality is confusing? Hey, check out what the Bible has to say uh, about it. Um, And maybe money management? You'd be surprised, this is like the first financial advisor Is right in here in the Bible. And so we are going to look to see what the Bible has to talk about um, the next couple weeks. And I think everybody wants to get a little bit wiser. Everybody wants to get a little bit smarter. We all want to excel in certain areas of our life. And we want to be a little more with it than we were last year. So that's why we're going to dive into the Bible and see what the Bible has to say. Are you ready? Are you ready? Because it may not be pretty for everybody, what we're looking at here this morning, okay? But before I do, let's just pray. Father, thank you uh, for your word. Lord, thank you that we can have confidence in your word. And I pray, Lord, that as we, for the next few moments, as we open it, that it will come alive to us, that you will speak to us through your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When you move to a new town or a new city or a different part of the country like I've had to do uh, in the last five months ago, you, you have to come up, you have to find a new bank, you have to, if you have kids, you, you know, you find a new school system, uh, you got to find a new dentist, you got to find a new doctor, and they're always, uh, when you sign up, they, they want history. they like to have some history about you. You know, uh, where were you born? Your know, mother's maiden name. You know, maybe your health records. And like, for instance, uh, when you give blood, I love giving blood, by the way. I, I've done it for so many years. I, I love donating blood. And it's not because I love the needles or the, the fancy food that they serve afterwards. But this is what I like about giving blood. You go in there and you have all your little checkpoints. And then you go to this little cubicle and they ask you all these health questions. You know, um, do you have diabetes in your family? I always go, nope. Uh, Do you have any asthma in your family? Nope. Uh, Do you have any cancer in your family? Nope. I kind of like a proud peacock. Uh, Do you have any um, heart disease in your family? I always said, nope. But a couple years ago, my mother goes to the doctor and finds out she has heart disease. So now it's in my family. (laughs) Thanks, Mom. I mean, I used to always be so proud that I could say no to all those things. But this week, this week, I was reminded again that I had a heart problem long before my mother had open heart surgery. Now I know, you're looking at me and you're going, not you, Donald. You're so young and vibrant. Like, you're a specimen of fitness. How could you have a heart problem? Well, I didn't believe it either. But there it was in black and white. Have your Bibles. Turn to Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah 17. And I read this. And I realized why I I have a problem. Uh, Jeremiah 17 verse 9. It says the heart is deceitful above all things it's beyond cure who can understand it one version says the heart is more deceitful than all else and it is desperately sick i have a heart problem (laughs) the bible says my heart doesn't always tell me the truth in fact, what it's saying here is that my heart has a tendency <laughs> to wander and make some very poor decisions. Now, I know you're shocked. You're like, the pastor? One of the pastors of Temple Baptist Church has a heart like that? Well, I don't like to bring people down with me, but let me tell you, the whole staff's like that. <laughs> okay, Each one of them got a diseased heart. And I think we all realized that he, even here in our auditorium, We have people. We have heart problems. That's what the Bible tells us right here. And so I thought, well, let's see if we can find some medication to help with this disease heart. Let's see if we can find a prescription that would help slow down the effects of a disease heart. And so with that, this is the passage I want us to look at this morning. It's found in Matthew, actually, chapter 6. Matthew, chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, please uh, turn over there. It's the first book of the New Testament, Matthew, chapter 6. This is actually Jesus himself speaking. These are the words that are recorded for us. This is the kind of verse, by the way, that would be good to highlight, to underline, to circle it. In fact, it would probably be a great verse to memorize and just say it daily to ourselves. Um, in Matthew, chapter 6. Verse 21 It says for where your treasure is There will be your heart also I wanted to write that down Where Your Treasure is the Bible says there will you find your heart. Where your treasure is, there will be your heart. You know what the Bible's saying is that the two are like one. Where you find one, you will always find the other. These two right here are inseparable. That's what the Bible says. They're inseparable. Where your treasure is, there will be your heart. And what this actually means is that they are so closely connected, so closely tied together, that it's actually impossible to separate them. In fact, your wallet says more about the size of your heart than what most doctors can tell you. When you say the word heart, you should immediately think of the word money, because the two are almost like they're one. And Now some of you may be here this morning, you think you have some money problem, but maybe it's more of a heart problem than a money problem. Will you read this out loud with me? Where your treasure is, there will you find your heart. Let that resonate in your mind. Where your treasure is, there will you find your heart. If your treasure happens to be down at the car lot, then that's where you'll find your heart. If you find that your treasure's over at Lambton Mall, then that's where your your heart will be. Because where there is one, you'll always find the other. And this is Jesus speaking, and it makes it very clear, here's the deal. Your money and your um, treasure, your, your heart is so closely connected Jesus is saying that you'll always find both in the same place. So guess what I did this week? I decided, decided I would do a heart test. I didn't get on a treadmill. I looked at my visa statement. Don't zoom in on this please. So I looked at my visa statement and I noticed there's a page and that there was a second page. And there was a third page. I was like, oh, problem. I think I got a problem. And what I discovered, that is I have a lot of treasure at Costco. <laughs> that's, that's the truth of the matter. In fact, when I was looking at it, I was like, oh my goodness, when I was in Florida, (laughs) I was having heart palpitations at the Burlington Coat Factory in Target in Florida. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Um, A few years ago, when I was building a brand new house, every day after work, every day after work, I would drive by, right? You know, you you see them cut down all the trees and, and the lot is cleared. Then you go back the next day and they got a hole dug because they're going to put a foundation. And then you go back the next day and they got the footings in. And then they're pouring the cement. And then the first floor. Then the walls. And the second floor. And then the walls and its roof. And you're just going there every day. Because where your treasure is, there will be your heart. And so, no difference. When I, when I moved here to Sarnia and I bought a house um, over on Varsity Crescent, um, it was an older house. Nothing was going to be done. But every day after work, I would go by that cul-de-sac, and I would look at it and think, one day that's going to be mine. Where your treasure is, you will find your heart. Now, I know know that there are men here today whose hearts have been uh, captivated by your wives, and that's great. I think that's fantastic. Um... So you find yourself, you know, buying little gifts here and there because you love your wife. Your heart is committed to her, and so your money flows. Now, this is a fairly easy illustration to understand. I wish I could say this was original to me, but it isn't. I'm just going to pull this out here. Oh, I already see we have technical problems back here already. Get rid of that. Get rid of that. Look. Doing a little home show back here. Okay. So, where you spend your money, let me tell you, you know what you find? Your heart follows. Right? So, you love your wife, you spend some money on her, and guess what? Your heart follows. You know, you you love your children, right? So you go uh, to McDonald's and you say, you know, kids, I love you guys a lot. I'm gonna supersize it today just for you, (laughs) right? Here's the fact, where you spend your money, your heart's gonna be following. It's a universal truth, by the way. It's true in Ontario, it's true in Nova Scotia, it's true in British Columbia, it's true south of the border, it's true on both sides of the ocean where your treasure is there will be your heart so this morning um if you're struggling in your marriage or your relationships put your money where it matters most and you'll find that your heart will follow if your marriage is important to you and it should be by the way then put it where it matters most. Because where you put your money, that's where your heart will follow. That's what is most valuable to you. Invest in your kids. Okay? Invest in your relationships. If you find that your heart does not beat fast uh, for what is good and honest and upright, um, that your heart is not cons- Wanting to, to make a positive difference in this world. I have a piece of advice for you. Put your money there And you will soon find out your heart will follow Because where your treasure is that's what the Bible says here where your treasure is There is where you'll find your heart And this is the truth that Jesus is is, a, is teaching us here from Matthew chapter um, 6 Well, the Bible says you're to love the Lord your God with your whole heart and soul and mind, you know, strength. Well, how in the world am I to do that? You put your money in places that you believe pleases God and you'll soon find out that your heart is there. By the way, the same is true the other way. If you decide that you're gonna let your heart lead, guess what? Your money's gonna follow. But here's the problem. The Bible says that my heart is deceived. It's sick. It's not curable. So you better be very careful when you let your heart lead because if you let your heart lead, you know what happens? Your money will follow. So the question is, who is gonna be leading? Now, I know this, I know this reality right here. Letting my heart lead. If you could see me when I walk into Costco, I'm like a dog panting. <laughs> like that. It's ridiculous. See advertisers know. If they can get your attention, uh, they'll get your money. Marketing people know that to be true. I just need to get a little bit of their attention. Captivate their imagination. And all of a sudden, your heart tells you, hey, I need one of those. No, I need two of those. (laughs) And before long, you find that's that's where your money is. Because Jesus says, where your treasure is, there you will find your heart. So who's gonna lead in this relationship? Because this is a very powerful relationship, your heart and your money. And who's gonna lead? Now the question is, how do I get control I mean, how do I make the, the right decision? How do I know that I'm going to make the right um, relationship here lead? How do I know I don't make, I'm going to not let my heart lead? Well, I thought about that. I thought, how, how, how do you protect against that? Because we're all susceptible to it, right? We go into a store, and, and our heart just starts you know, pounding. We see things that we like, and we sniff over here, and we sniff over there, and we, we want it all. So how do I prevent myself from allowing my heart to lead, when the Bible says actually quite clearly that you have a diseased heart, Donald, and if you allow your heart to lead, you could be easily deceived into making some very poor choices with your finances. So I'm wrestling with this in my head. How can I keep my heart from leading And um, this is what I think, I think it's some wise advice. The only way I know is that you have to decide in advance what you're going to do. I mean, there a, comes a point in your life that you just have to make a decision ahead of time before decisions are often necessary to make. And I want to challenge you today to make decisions ahead of time as to where you're going to put your finances. And when you make that decision ahead of time, you will find out, you will discover that your heart will follow with no problem. I know, I know some of you right now are getting very nervous. because You're like, oh, brother, this is where he comes in, that pastor guy, and says, now God needs your money. I want to tell you right now, I hope and pray that, that those words never come from my lips, by the way, because God doesn't need any, anything that we have. He was doing quite well before we came along. And he'll do quite well after we're gone. This has nothing to do with money. This has everything to do, though, with developing a, a large heart and not being small and cold, but being generous. That you decide in advance where your treasure will be spent. Now, the majority of people in this room are married, okay? The majority of people in this room would be married. I have a question for you. When you were married, did you decide in advance of the wedding that you would no longer date anyone, or did you decide that after the wedding? <laughs> like, did you say, you know what? I'm going to make that decision 12 months after I'm married, that I'm not going to date anybody. No, it's ridiculous, right? You, you've made that decision ahead of time. Before you made your vows, you said, dating is over for me. And so when an attractive lady walks by, or a very charming and handsome man walks by, it doesn't enter your mind, I wonder if I should date them. (laughs) No, no one thinks that. Because you made that decision long before. You understand what I mean by making the decision ahead of time? Uh, Here's another way to illustrate. I realize that perhaps some of you, uh, when you get up on Sunday mornings, uh, maybe an hour before church, you decide, hey, should we go to church or shouldn't we go to church? And um, you say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, here's what happens when you make those kind of decisions, those last minute decisions. You just can't be consistent because you're just kind of going with how your heart feels. See, long before I ever became a pastor, long before, it was a very important part of my life. I wanted to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, and I knew it would be so important that I be among God's people. And so I never uh, had to revisit the decision on a Sunday morning whether I was going to go to church. Like, I had made that decision so many years ago that it's just natural. And so of course now when I come, my heart just gets so excited when I come. I made the decision a long time ago and I've never had to revisit that decision. I I made it in advance. And honestly, it doesn't matter to me if there's a a guest speaker or, you know, they're not singing my favorite songs that Sunday. No, that doesn't matter. Because I made a decision that was an important part of the development, my spiritual development as a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And so maybe some uh, looked at the the promo ahead of time, and said, oh, the elephant in the room, look at right down there, he's talking about finances. January would be a great month to take vacation, don't you think, honey? (laughs) Or maybe it's an hour before church, you go, (sighs) he's talking about money. You know, honey, the kids are so tired, let's just let them sleep in. We'll enjoy our cup of coffee. And you know, elephant in the room, that's so worldly anyway, that's not for us. We'll go back to church in February. See, that's what happens when you make decisions just, when you let your heart. You just never actually become consistent. And that's just, that's the simple truth of it. That's just reality. I mean, just imagine a football player, a hockey player, a basketball player, any kind of an athlete who sets his alarm at six o'clock in the morning to get up to practice that he makes the decision after the alarm goes off. Six o'clock. Kind of tired, I could use an extra hour of sleep. No, I just think I'll hit the alarm off and go back to sleep. No, no, no athlete does that. You know, they made a decision before they set the alarm that this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna practice, I'm gonna be with my teammates and I'm gonna be the best that I can be. You ask any athlete, any bodybuilder, any dieter, any musician, consistency and training and practice are so essential. The reason I am not a very good piano player after eight years of piano is because I was so inconsistent with my practicing, even with the encouragement of my parents. Hey, you see the piano up there? Nobody's sitting at it. You could go play now. It's not tied up, not being busy. But that's why I'm not very good at piano, inconsistent. So this morning, what I'd like to do is invite you to a life that Jesus talks about. In John ten ten, Jesus says, "I haven't come to be a th- to destroy the take." He says, "Actually, I've come so that you could have life and live it more abundantly." That's what Jesus invites us to be a part of. Um, there's no way that there's going to be true life change in us unless there maybe is a little bit of heart surgery done in us. There are those here this morning, I, th- I, I think, I believe to be true, that if you did an audit of your heart, you would discover that mm, there's something, I don't know, maybe I don't even know what it is, but there's something that's just missing in my life. And I believe for some of you, it's because you've actually never, you've never actually given your life to Jesus. You know a lot of things about Jesus. You may even know a lot of things about the Bible, but you've never really given your life to Jesus. And so, how can you ever really experience what Jesus is talking about when he says living a life that is abundantly above what you could ever imagine? And so for you, really, the first step is really just surrendering your life to Jesus. Just believing that he came for you. He died for you. He let people nail him to the cross for you. He could have come down, but no, he said, I will pay the price. I'm going to pay the price for men and women so they can... So the relationship with God can be restored again. That's your first step. And I believe that's probably true for some people here this morning. Now for others of you, you're a follower of Jesus, but you know your heart has not grown in the area of generosity. Uh, You want to be generous, but you feel like your money is holding you back. Maybe because it's the lack of it or maybe it's the abundance of it. We don't think of it that way. But maybe your money is holding you back. What would happen if we gave our lives to God and we said, God, this is what I'm going to do. I have made a decision. I've made a decision and I'm not going to revisit it. I want purpose and passion. I want generosity to flow out of my life. So right here, right now, God, it's a step of faith for me, but God, I'm going to surrender my finances to you. That's a big step. That's That's a huge leap for a lot of you. I understand that. And a lot of us can share stories about what that day was like when we just we finally surrendered it to God and said, no, God, do with it what you want. But God, what I'd like to do is invest it. I'd like to invest it in what you're doing around the world. I want to invest it in people's lives. I want to see life change. God, I don't want to always be about number one, me. But I'd like to be able to see my finances make a difference. I believe, I really believe this, that if we made a decision today that we are no longer going to let our heart lead where we spend our money, but we make a decision and say, you know what? No, I've done this way too long. And you know what? The reality is, I've actually made some very poor choices when I've allowed this to, ha- to lead. I'm actually going to make a decision ahead of time where I'm going to invest because I want my heart to be over here. It's not there yet. It could be like, as I said, a relationship with your wife. You know, maybe you're struggling. Maybe your heart's growing a little cold. You go, but I want to love her, so I'm going to start investing in this relationship. And the Bible says, hey, your heart will follow. That's the thing. Your heart will follow when you make a decision as to where you want to invest your money. It's a guarantee. As I said, it's a universal truth. I believe that as a congregation, as a church family, if all of us get to the point by faith where we surrendered our finances and said, "God, use it," and however, I want to invest to make a difference in people's lives, I actually think, Siren, you better watch out. Word begins to spread, man, those people are, there's something radical about those people. Generosity flowing from their hearts, investing in areas that will really make a profound difference in our city, in people's lives, and literally around the world. So today's topic is is nothing really, it really has nothing to do with money. It's about our heart. It's about our heart condition. And so I challenge you today to make a decision to where you're gonna put your finances. Don't let your heart lead. Because the Bible says it's deceitful. It will take you many times in the wrong direction. Let's pray. Our Father, uh, we thank you that when we open up your word It speaks to us. And Lord, um, I pray for those that are here this morning. Number one, I want to pray for those that maybe have never surrendered their lives to you. The whole concept of having a life that's abundant is, is kind of foreign. It's more religious talk. And so, Lord, my prayer would be that today would be a defining moment for so many people. Lord, I I pray that they would surrender their lives to you. That would be the beginning of experience what it is to have a heart of generosity. And then, Lord, for those who, who claim to be a follower of Jesus, Lord, we know this is a big step of faith to be able to surrender our finances. Oh, it's huge. Lord, there's something about being obedient to you. It's something about having a heart that overflows with generosity. A heart that grows large when we see the needs around us in our city and and around the world that all of a sudden there's this outpouring, Lord, where where we begin to make differences. And that's what we pray, Lord. I pray that that would characterize us as a church, that our church heart Would continue to enlarge and grow in this whole area of generosity. Lord, remind us when we find our heart beginning to lead. Lord, you said it quite clearly be careful of your heart, it's diseased, it's very sick. And it will lead you to make some very poor choices. So, Lord, help us to to be able to decipher that when we see those things happening. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.